we exist? Were we created with a purpose? Or are we just here by chance? What are we to believe about life, faith, and worldview? Welcome to the universe next door, focusing on answers to the questions we all consider. This show is a ministry of the C.S. Lewis Society and supported by gifts of listeners just like you. Join us as we seek to see a generation captivated and transformed by the truth of Christianity. This is the universe next door. Welcome to the universe next door. We're going to be continuing our series today on ethical and cultural issues. A couple weeks ago, we started off with Scott Klusendorf. We did an, an episode on abortion. Uh, we went through the current Roe versus Wade situation, and then we talked about the most common pro-choice arguments and how we could respond to those. And then we had Sean McDowell on the next week, and uh, we got into what the Bible says about sexuality and how we could interpret the LGBTQ ideology and so on and so forth through that lens. And uh, this week... We are going to hear from Kevin Sorbo, the actor Kevin Sorbo. I have received uh, personal special permission to call him Sorbs, as you'll see in the interview. And so uh, we're going to have Sorbs on. We're going to talk about a variety of things. He provides a very unique, I guess, look at the entertainment industry because he's been in the entertainment industry for for decades. And so he gives us a unique kind of perspective on what's going on in media, uh, why we're seeing some of the things we're seeing. And also he, he shares some of his own personal experience with cancel culture, uh, with being not only just kicked off Facebook, but even dropped by a manager for uh, his, his conservative Christian views. And so one of the things I appreciate about Kevin a lot is that he says things that are true and he's not worried about people hating him for it. And so check out his Twitter page. His Twitter page is awesome. It is just, uh, it is straight and to the point as he, he is not afraid to say what he's thinking. And so we're, we're very grateful to have him on today. It's going to be a lot of fun. That's like, if there's one thing I could say about this interview, it was a lot of fun and it was very productive. He's a very sharp guy. He's got some very good points on things. And so you won't be bored for a second. Now, before we get into the interview, if you would just look at the, the link in the description below, we have a survey that would help us greatly. We want to know what you guys are thinking. We want to know what cultural issues and uh, ethical issues you may be thinking about that you want to have answered or responded to. So go ahead and fill that survey out. It would be a huge blessing to us and you'll have a chance to win a free book, Scott Klusendorf's Case for Life, which is an incredible book. So if you just take a minute to do that, that would be amazing. And look forward to our new interviews coming out with Max McLean this Thursday. He's the actor from the Most Reluctant Convert movie. He played C.S. Lewis. And then we're going to follow him up with Dr. John Lennox next Monday. So it's going to be an awesome month. And with that being said, join Kevin Sorbo and I as we talk Talk about how the entertainment industry is ruining everything. Kevin Sorbo is an American actor best known for his main role in Hercules, The Legendary Journeys, as well as God's Not Dead and Let There Be Light. Uh, he has been interviewed on some of the largest platforms, including PragerU and Blaze TV, and he is here to join us today on The Universe Next Door. Kevin Sorbo, thanks so much for coming on. How are you? Good to be here. I, I, I'd be remiss if you don't. You, you got to mention Captain Dylan Hunt, Five Years in Andromeda. I mean, I was the first captain after Captain Kirk ever created. And uh, five years of working my butt off, I get some credit for that one. <laughs> hey, well, hey, to my knowledge, you've been in over 60 films. Is that right? Uh, I just finished my 71st movie. Oh, my goodness. Yep. 71. Not all of them were good. Trust me. Well, I mean, not a pretty bad, but. <laughs> 
The majority yeah. of them are pretty good. <laughs> Out of 71, even 1% of those being good is more than I've done. So that's pretty impressive. <laughs> uh, now, what are you currently working on? I know you just got back from Israel recently. Um, yeah, I mean, the, I, I just did a documentary in Israel. Pretty fascinating. I got to go to these uh, different archaeological uh, locations there and saw stuff that tourists never get to see. And uh, we, we were sort of following the flow of the... Um, of the um, the Ark of the Covenant. So I was doing, I was, I was Indiana Jones in a way. And uh, the search search for that and what happened to it and where it disappeared and all that is pretty fascinating. And then uh, I've got another documentary coming out this year as well called uh, Eating with the Enemy. Um, it deals with The Last Supper. I think it's a great title, Eating with the Enemy. I'm a narrator on that one. And then I've got three movies coming out and two of them I directed. Uh, one's called uh, Miracle in East Texas, True Story, set in 1930. The other one is Left Behind, for those who know the Left Behind books. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one's called Left Behind, Rise of the Antichrist. And I, I directed both of those. And then I got to act in the Reagan movie with Dennis Quaid. I play as pastor. So uh, it's been busy. In fact, I leave this weekend. I'll be in Houston filming for two weeks. Then I go to my home state of Minnesota to film another movie for a month. Then I go down to uh, New Mexico to a sci-fi movie. Then I go up to Oklahoma to shoot a Western. So I'm totally booked through October right now. Yeah, it sounds like you've got a busy schedule going on, but it sounds like it's all going to be uh, productive stuff here. And so that's, that's encouraging nice. to me. I, I like to stay busy. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, before we get started here, uh, do you have any tips for looking more like an actor? I've been trying to pull it off, but it doesn't seem to be working. <laughs> to look so, I don't think there's any specific look. You get all shapes and sizes. So um, oh, I, think, I think uh, it's either hard work or who you know. I think it's one of those two things. <laughs> well, maybe I need to do more and meet more people then. Uh, now, for the, for those who may have uh, seen and been impacted by by some of your films, and for maybe those who were new, um, even to the Christian faith, this is a show centered on Christian apologetics. Would you mind sharing a little bit of your testimony in coming to Christ? Well, I'm going to back up just for a second because you hit something that's perfect. I, I did another documentary with John Lennox. For those who didn't know John Lennox, he's a pretty well-known apologist. Mm. He's debated the great atheists around the world from Dawkins and Hitchens, a singer. Sure, he's we coming did, on next uh, week. three weeks in Oxford. What's that? He's coming on the show next week. So, he, Oh, that's awesome. John yeah. is awesome. Say hello for me. Um, John, John is... Uh, He's brilliant, but he, he, he destroys people in debates by just love and kindness and laughter. And he's got a great sense of humor and just vast knowledge. We spent three weeks in Oxford, Oxford where he's a retired math professor, and two weeks in Israel. And um, unfortunately, it came out during the COVID, worst COVID year back in 2020, where they shut the world down with, with the fear factor. It's the government's favorite weapon, by the way. Mm. And, um, but I hope people get a chance to see it. It's called Against the Tide. I call it apologetics for dummies like me. So it's a, <laughs> it's, it's a wonderful, I hope people check it out. It's against the tide, proving God in a world of science. Um, and if you want to get an autographed copy, you can get, just go to sorbostudios.com as well. We'll send you an autographed copy. But um, for me, I grew up a Christian. I mean, I've been a Christian my whole life. A typical Minnesota Norwegian kid. We grew up in a Lutheran church. Uh, I, I've never been a non-believer. I mean, I've done a lot of stupid things in my life and, had to ask, I, I got to ask for, you know, forgiveness every day, but, uh, you know, teenage years and 20 somethings do a lot of stupid things. And, uh, um, but I never stopped believing. So for me, it was always there, but there was a particular moment when I was 13 years old. Uh, we went to see the Reverend Billy Graham speak at wow. the uh, St. Paul fairground. And it was a hot August night. Cause believe it or not, in Minnesota, yes, we can get as, just as hot as Florida gets hot and humid. Um, it was a full, full moon was out. There's 250, 300,000 people. It was amazing. 
And uh, our trip took about like seven buses to get down there. And at the end of his uh, his speech, his sermon, he said, for any of those who want to come down and pray or meet one of my volunteers just to talk, come on down. And I did something I never would have done, especially at 13. I got up and walked down there. My buddies are going, Sorb, where are you going, man? Where are you going? I said, I know I got to go up there. So I'm sitting on the ground and I'm talking with this guy. I was 13. He was maybe 30. So he's like a really old guy to me. And um, all of a sudden a hand went on my head and I turned around and it was Billy Graham. And his head was perfectly blocking the moon. He just had this, this glow, this, ah, oh, you know, music, I hear the organ <laughs> music going. And we talked, he prayed for me. And that just, that just always stuck with me. And I told that story on the Larry King show and um, chicken soup for the soul called me up. They said, Hey, we're doing a hardcover book for the life of Billy Graham for 101 people that have met him and been touched by him. And uh, would you tell that story in that one of the chapters? And I was just honored to do it. And it's the only time they've ever done a hardcover book for Chicken Soup for the Soul. If people are aware of that, it's always paperback. So uh, it was pretty cool, you know. And then when when I put my story in there, they actually called me and they said, and the Reverend Graham was probably well into his 90s by now. And they said, you know, he can't get around. He can't travel to promote it. But he loved your story so much. He wanted to know if you would go out and promote the book for him. So wow. I got the honor of going out there and doing the publicity for the book. So that was pretty cool. That's an absolutely fascinating testimony story. I'm glad I asked. Yeah. I didn't. I wasn't expecting to have heard that Billy Graham touched your head. So that's <laughs> that's pretty cool. Wow. Now, that was pretty neat. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I was reading recently a post from someone who was an extra in one of your movies, um, and they said that the the production people came up and they said, "Hey, when when Kevin gets here, don't bother him." And he said that when you arrived, this guy who was the extra in a movie, uh, you were greeting everyone, and he had actually gotten to have a short conversation with you and now of course this might not always be the case due to lack of time and all that but that's what you hope for in the christian entertainment industry compared to the world and the reason i bring this up is that just speaks volumes to the message of many of the movies you've made the the faith-based movies and you know surely you've worked in secular film as well but have you noticed any difference in atmosphere between working in the secular world and in the christian film industry oh yeah (laughs) quite a bit now i I find that interesting. I mean, I wasn't aware of that because I, I never do that. I never tell a director or a first AD to say, make sure no one looks at me because I know actors have done that. Right. <laughs> make sure they, you know, no one talks to me. I've never, I've never been that way. I think because being a Minnesota guy and, you know, getting a, a very firm and, uh, uh, you know, positive firmness thing from my dad. I also said my dad controlled all five of his kids through soft thunder, you know? Right. And uh, my parents were great. And uh, my dad passed away. My mom's just turned 90, but, um, I, I think, you know, I talk to everybody in the set. I've always been that way. You know, I mean, I'm a 13 year overnight success. I know how tough the business is. So, um, I, I've never been like that. I remember on, on when we shot soul surfer, we had like 200 extras one day on the beach. I walked around, took pictures of everybody. You know, when you're killing time, I don't need to hide away someplace. You know, I'm in Hawaii for crying out loud on the beautiful beach. So, um, I don't know. Just I, I, I like. What, what did you ask me? I'm sorry. I, I'm going back to that thing because that kind of bothered me. That it bothers me that directors would say that to people. I know they're doing it probably for all actors that are coming on set. I don't know. Sure. Yeah. It but, probably depends. Uh, for, for me, I don't. I don't hide. I talk to anybody. And I think that I've seen several people say that you've come and greeted them. So I thought that was really cool and and something that stood out oh. to me because that's not something you see a lot. Well, now but I know. It, now, not, yeah. But no. But 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 for me, it was. Uh, uh, the big difference is, you know, Walt Disney said back in the 1950s, movies and television will influence our youth. Well, no kidding. 
And that was in the 50s. And I'm pretty sure Walt Disney wouldn't be very happy with what Disney's putting out there now. So I think you're right. Um, I, I don't think so. I think he's flipping in his grave right now. Um, we do have – it is huge. Andrew Breitbart, who started Blaze, said that politics runs downstream from culture. Who runs the culture? Hollywood does. The mainstream media does. And you can tell by what's going on with the movies they're putting out there, the television shows, all this stuff, the agenda that they have. And it's such a negative one. It's filled with so much anger and so much hate and so much violence and so much sex. I mean, I'm not a prudent anyway, but it's like ridiculous. I fell in love with acting because of the old movies my mom used to watch. You know, mm -hmm. she re rewatched these old movies. So I got hooked on Spencer Tracy and Catherine Hepburn and Jim, Jimmy Stewart and Cary Grant and those guys, Humphrey Bogart. And those movies before the 60s, they were all rated P, uh, PG or, or, or G. Um, the rating system didn't really hit until the 60s, you know, and that was really changed because of the Vietnam War through the free love, the hippies, the, you know, rock and roll, all that stuff. So, sure. um, you know, I'm 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 all for uh, to continue to do movies that I'm doing. I want to spread movies in a positive way because you see what's going on, not only in America, around the world. Look at all the anger. Look at all the hate. Look at all the, the riots when, you know, you got CNN saying this is a peaceful demonstration. There's buildings blown up behind them. Right. I mean, how stupid do they think people are? The stuff they say is so damaging and so ridiculous. And we, we desensitize people to the reality of what's going on in the world right now. So would you say that's kind of your motivation? Because you've done both secular and faith-based movies, but you've done a lot of faith-based movies, and most, most Christian yeah. people who have seen them, uh, at least that I'm aware of in my circle. Um, so does that kind of play into well, your motivation? I mean, um, yeah, I think so. It doesn't necessarily have to be faith-based. I mean, like family-friendly. You say secular. Oh, um, sure. Maybe because it's not... Faith, no, but I've done, you know, I've done movies that had violence in and stuff like that. I get yeah, it. And, um, but the violence that I did in the movies I did, I was playing the good guy. Um, in those, well, God's not dead. Of course, I played a bad guy. I joke when I say I play an atheist <laughs> college professor and I say, wait a minute, that's redundant. I play a college professor. In the movie. <laughs> yeah, so, there you go. Um, but you know, there's redemption at the end for him. And that's what I want to do. I want to do movies that have a, have a positive, a positive ending to them that they, they say, you know, we're, we're, people want hope. People want to know that, you know, fear, like I brought earlier, government loves using fear. And COVID is a perfect example of that, you know, what they made us do and what they did to the world. And it was ridiculous for a, for a virus that 99.7% of the people survive if they get it. And we shut down the world and destroyed people's lives. They don't talk about the number of suicides increasing. They don't talk about alcoholism increasing, drug use increasing, uh, deaths from drugs increasing, spousal abuse, child abuse, a uh, mask on three-year-olds. I mean, that's just insane to me what we've done. I mean, we, it's, it's, it's just sad to me. It's, um, I'm, I'm here to fight against that and I, I was so thankful. I mean, here in Florida, we haven't worn masks in a year and a half. You know, mm -hmm. nobody's wearing masks here. And uh, you sit there and go to California. It's like, what's going on here? You know, they arrest people out surfing by themselves because they don't have a mask or something. Like, right. We have reached such a weird state. I mean, welcome to the USSR in the 1950s. And that's what America is trying to turn into. No, I know. it. who would have known? Uh, have you seen the new oh, documentary, crazy. by the way, What is a Woman? I saw it. It's hilarious. You did see it. It was. It was really well done. I, I didn't know if you'd seen it. You know, Matt, you know, they, and he does it in such a great way. He's not attacking people. He just says, well, tell me. And then everybody's afraid now because the press has made people be afraid. We put someone in the Supreme Court who's a woman who can't define what a woman is. Right. Really? Which is incredibly insulting to women, uh, especially. I mean, of, of course it is. Of course it is. Caitlyn yeah. Jenner wins Woman of the Year and women aren't upset about I mean, I know I knew him as Bruce Jenner for many, many years before he she became Caitlyn Jenner, you know, but 
to name a, a, a guy who says, I'm going to be a woman now, woman of the year should be an affront to women. They're saying that men make a better woman than a woman does. I mean, why, right. why wouldn't people up in arms about that? But once again, welcome to what the government does. Welcome to mainstream media does. Shame you for saying that. Shame on you. Really? 70, how many say? 78 genders now? Is that what they're saying? Something like that. <laughs> I can't keep up. I mean, I'm, going, I'm just going. I mean, I know of two. I don't know. I, I, I'm going to I'm going to identify as a frog one of these days just for the heck of it. <laughs> just to see. Maybe make a movie about it. <laughs> yeah. Now, exactly. sp- speak, speaking of everything we're saying and that potential movie, uh, cancel culture just a few years ago was considered a conspiracy theory. If you mentioned that this or that thing is canceled for having conservative Christian values or or not being in agreement with leftist ideology, you were called crazy. Now, fast forward to now. This is pretty widely accepted as a known concept. Uh, you have not been shy about cancel culture, but do you have any examples of tangible ways in which you've been affected by this directly? Or in other words, has anyone tried to cancel you, obviously, without much success? Well, um, 1.2 million followers on Facebook. They took me down a year and a half ago for posting the truth. I had mm-hmm. 500,000 people on LinkedIn. They took me down for posting the truth. I could post those things today and they wouldn't be able to take me down because now it's obviously, they, you know, Science is proving what I was saying was correct. And what I was doing on Facebook, I was really tacking all these issues on COVID. And I wasn't saying, this is my idea. I'd say, hey, here's an article from 10,000 doctors in Europe saying that the uh, masks are useless. Or they're saying six feet apart is a total made-up number, which it was. I know doctors. I've got a couple of very good doctor friends from high school and college. Mm-hmm. And they said, if you really, really want to not get a cold from somebody, you got to be 20 feet apart. Well, you can't exist 20 feet apart in all the cities of the world. I mean, it just will never happen. And there's a thing called natural immunity system that that, that God gave us. And to sit there and, and it's, this, this COVID, unfortunately, was totally man-made, as we know. Um, I'm still on Twitter. People can follow me, K Sorbs, K S O R B S. My buddies call me Sorbs, not Sorbo. So K Sorbs. And I saw I've got uh, 1.1 million followers there. And uh, I do basically one, two sentence kind of sarcastic stuff. Um, like the, the abortion thing going on right now, they're very upset about Roe v. Wade, even though states can decide for themselves if they want mm-hmm. to murder a baby. Um, so I said and on Twitter, I said, so you had sex. What were you expecting? A flat screen TV? I mean, come on. You know, it's like it's it's crazy what's going on out there in the world right now. But most of these people, I guarantee you, if I did a documentary on all these woke people and all these cancel culture trolls, I bet there's a common denominator there in there. And I guarantee you um, they they have no hope in their lives. They have no faith in their lives. I, I, I'm not quite sure they probably don't even like who they are. So it's pretty hard for them to love their neighbor like themselves when they don't even when they loathe themselves. And I think that's where misery, misery loves company came from is people like that. They, they, they're just they're, the only time they get a little a rush is if they're uh, going after somebody or destroying somebody. And that's that's their rush. But that's it's very sad. And actually, uh, we take destroying quite literally on another level. You mentioned abortion. We actually just had Scott Klusendorf on a couple weeks ago. Um, oh. We did we did an episode on Roe versus Wade and the most common pro-choice objection. So uh, we went through yeah. that. We're certainly not shy about that. But I was going to say, you're, I will second that. Your Twitter page is awesome. Uh, it's really rare this day to go on any kind of social media and see anything true. So it's kind of refreshing to go on your uh, Twitter page. Of course, there's a lot of outrage and so on and so forth. But uh, do you come up with all the stuff that you post? Because it's like you got a clever thing every day. Yeah, I sit there. And I, I got my, my 20-year-old boy and I talk about things every day. We oh, cool. come up with stuff. He helps me. He helps me on it as well, but we both uh, 
we both had nighttime. We'll sit down and go, hey, let's look at this thing. We try to come up with clever one or two sentences to go with it. And um, I probably I probably do about, you know, 75 percent of my own. But I bring him in because he comes up with some pretty good ideas as well. So, awesome. um, yeah, we're just going to keep plugging away. You know, we're just going after current themes that are out there and just saying it's ridiculous. You know, Let, let's let's fight this while we can still fight it, because it's just it's just it's it's sad what the world is doing. I'm glad Twitter lets me still be on there because. Uh, you know, at least somebody in there, they get that it's sarcasm, but there's truth in it as well. Of course there is. And um, we're, we're just having fun and poking. Twitter, I mean, Facebook and LinkedIn, uh, they don't have a sense of humor. Zuckerberg's got his trolls out there. And, oh, yeah, I get people that hate hate on me and stuff. But by far, the majority of people love what I'm putting out there. But you're going to oh, get good. the trolls because that's what they do because they 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 don't they hate themselves they hate their lives they're probably being paid by george soros they're probably collecting unemployment from your work and my work and uh i'm not just saying that sarcastically i i honestly believe that i think these people have nothing better to do with their lives and they're mad at you and the world and a god they don't believe in that their lives didn't turn out the way they hoped it did so i know we should pray for them and because uh these guys these are lost souls there's no question well, thank you. I, I absolutely agree. And thank you for saying things that are true and not immediately apologizing for those things. And it, with that being said, uh, we won't ask for names here, obviously, but how common is it for you uh, to maybe come in contact with someone else in the entertainment industry who's also Christian and or conservative and just doesn't want anyone to know because of the issues and, and <laughs> difficulties that will bring them? Um, all the time. Really? All the time. I've I've worked with quite a few of them over the years that come up to me and say, hey, thanks for being a voice for us. And I go, why don't you be a voice for yourself? They go, well, we don't want to happen. What happened to you happened to me? What happened to me was my agent manager basically booted me out. They just said, we can't work with you anymore because mm -hmm. you're a Christian and you're conservative. In fact, I think being a Christian in Hollywood is worse than being a conservative. But being both is like being a double leper. You know, people want nothing to do with it. They shun you. And I found that interesting because Hollywood, is, as you know, for decades screams for you know, tolerance and freedom of speech, but it's their freedom of speech and their tolerance. It's a one-way street with them. And they basically booted me out of business that I still love. Hollywood owes me nothing. They don't owe me anything. Um, but it's, it's, it's sad to me. I don't harbor that anger and hate towards them that they harbor towards me. I don't get it. If someone's an atheist, be an atheist. Someone's agnostic, be an agnostic. Let's talk about it. I'm open to have a debate. I don't have to pull out knives and guns to get angry about it and, you know, get, get crazy. Um, but uh, I find it sad that these people have so much anger and hate towards someone uh, like you or me that just has a differing opinion. That's weird to me. And liberals, hey, liberals out there, you need to look up the definition of the word liberal because it means everybody's point of view is acceptable. And you guys, it's not anymore. They've totally changed. But they changed. You know, they want to rewrite history. They want to rewrite the definitions of words. They've been doing that for a long time. Yeah, well, I just want to say that if a manager ever drops you again, I'd be more than willing to be your manager. So uh, if you need somebody, go ahead and send me an email. I'm busy, but someone will get to it. Uh, and I have okay. no problem doing I have no problem doing that. <laughs> so I'd like to uh, I'd like to get into uh, some of the issues in entertainment today and, and and that many of us are probably at least somewhat aware of. Now, of course, many people have seen the Disney meeting leaks. It, it seems like you can't turn on a children's show without having critical theory and gender ideology forced on your kids. And and though so many are catching on now, this is certainly not something that popped into existence a year ago. It's been in the works for a long time. It has deep roots now. Uh, considering you've been in entertainment for decades, do you remember seeing these issues starting to sort of take root in the industry and culture? 
you know, it's just accelerated over the last five years. It's just exploded. Ever since Trump got in office, this whole this hate, whole hate machine just got put into motion. It's always sort of been around. I mean, I work like in the gay community. There's a very strong community in, in Hollywood that's gay. They're not going to say anything bad about me. They, they can't. The people I've worked with, they're not going to say he was a horrible person. You know, he was mean to me because I wasn't. I treat everybody. I treat everybody the same. You know, let's just, let's have fun. Let's do a movie. I mean, we're very blessed to be in this industry and you know get to do what we get to do. To me, it's just like I want to have fun with it. I want to have fun on the set. I want. I want. I when I direct, when I maybe have to, when I actually work on a set, I try to keep a loose set and a happy set because it's like, guys, we're, there's so many people. There's a thousand people behind each of your jobs that wants your job in this industry, and that's not even exaggeration. No. They're out there and they want to work. I mean, I go to my site, uh, SorboStudios.com, and I get emails through the site constantly, people saying, hey, here's my resume, here's my bio, I, I, I'm a camera guy, I'm an actor, you know, keep me in mind. And I get it, people are starving to work, and there's a lot of people starving to do the kind of movies that I do that are family-friendly. So um, it's, it's, definitely, it's, it's definitely out there, and it's just getting worse and worse. I wish you could tell me the reasons why. Why do we want to teach five-year-old kids about being a transgender why let them be a kid let them grow up like most people do when they get in teenage years and kind of figure things out for themselves why do we need this coaching at such a young age i don't i don't get it and uh it's you know and why can't we have uh you know in the election process i've always kind of wondered um i remember i remember seeing the press for you know years pushing that what well, to ask a black person for an id that's that's racist why why is it racist and so this guy went and did a documentary in Harlem or something. He was in a very, you know, black community within New York City and asked people about this. And they all looked at like they're dumbfounded. They go, well, of course I got an ID. There's not one person right. he walked up to. Yeah, I've seen that. You know where the DMV is? Yeah, it's right over there in 42nd and whatever, you know. It's just, it's, it's the, the, the party of the left wants to keep the African community uh, down. They don't want them to have, you know, I, I just read an article now where actually I can't remember it's in Los Angeles or someplace where they're going to start grading uh, people on a scale. If they're black, they're going to be more lenient on the way they grade their papers. So you're saying blacks can't be as smart as white people? Really? Wow. It's just it's just it's so they, it's so obvious of what they're doing. And I hope the black community, which is starting to wake up and realizing that they're going to get a lot more help from the people on the right than they are from the left, because the left. As Joe Biden says, the right wants to keep them in chains. No, they, no, they don't. The, the left wants to keep them in chains because there's no money in it for the Democrat Party if the African-American community starts being successful. So uh, really, a lot of the time, it's the people who are claiming to be anti-racist are really the ones who are espousing racist uh, ideas. And you've seen this all sure. over the place. Well, it, yeah. Yep. Yeah. It, it doesn't seem to be rare. They are now. the gift that keeps giving. <laughs> right, right. Now, why do you think it is uh, that it, it seems like so many who are against the gospel, um, who are against Christian conservative values, are, are so efficient at getting their message across, even in the churches? Why Why do you think that is? I wish you could tell me. I honestly don't know. I don't know why. I was hoping you would know. That's the bigger voice. You know, the, the bigger voice comes from the, the more the minority now. People need to wake up. People are so afraid. But that's another thing that's been introduced through the school systems just to follow orders. It's been introduced through the media constantly um, that, that, you know, you better follow these kind of rules. And uh, people just, you know, people are sheep. I'm not here to wake up the sheep. I'm here to wake up the lions. Uh, my wife and I 
we no longer have Disney Plus, but I remember when we did, uh, we put on the movie Soul, and it it must not have been more than a couple minutes in before one of the characters basically tells our kids pretty directly that heaven doesn't exist, that there's an alternative to the Christian idea of the afterlife. And we both noticed this, and we were like, what is this? And uh, I guess I was sort of thrown off by how many people I know who are Christian believers loved that movie. And on one hand, this may speak to an issue in in the church and theology. Uh, You could get me started on that all day. But on the other hand, do you think that a big... Uh, I guess, difficult issue we're facing is that entertainment is capable of delivering these ideologies to people in an emotional way, making the pill sort of easier to swallow. It really started in the 60s. I mean, the 60s, when Hollywood started, you know, 100 years ago, almost all the people in the studios were conservatives, Uh, whether they're Christian, whether Jewish, whatever it may be, didn't really matter, but they were conservatives. The 1960s changed all that. And that's when that that ushered in the first uh, rating system for movies. That's when you started having PG-13 and R-rated movies and X-rated movies. Uh, X-rated movies have been around forever, but they were sort of like way back there. But now it's like anybody can turn on anything and find it anywhere. But um, I just think that the, the message is constantly bombarded into us. We've make it, we're making the anti-heroes the heroes, the cool guys. Now the bad guys are the cool guys. And we're glorifying violence. We're glorifying murder. We're glorifying uh, just just bad behavior over and over again. And pretty soon you get desensitized to it. And you don't care about it. And it's like, it's like no, no big deal. Let's look at abortion. You know, people celebrate being able to kill their baby. Mm-hmm. And you already know it's a real thing. California now wants to pass a law that you can have the baby up to one year. It's there crying in front of you. It's a year old. And you and the spouse can go, what do you think, honey? I don't know. I'm kind of done with it. And you can kill him. I mean, this is it's, it's a human sacrifice thing. This is stuff they used to do back in the pagan days, you know, back in the mm-hmm. Old Testament days. I mean, this it's really unbelievable where we're, where we have become now as a country that we're so callous to to human life. But I don't know. You know, if a woman is pregnant and gets shot and killed, they call it double murder. So why do they call it murder when a woman kills her baby? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, well, like I said, we're not shy about that around here. So uh, it, it really is unfortunate. And, and I actually use that that comparison as well very often, comparing what's going on now to sacrifices made to Malek and so on and so forth, because it really isn't any yeah. different. Uh, it's it's not any no. different. It's just we, we sacrifice nope. to the God of convenience, um, to the God of an AA degree that would be slightly harder with the baby and, and so on and so forth. But uh with all of this horrible stuff being said, what is what is something practical that we can leave this interview with? Something that we can go and do? Uh, are there alternatives that we can promote? Are there is there something we can do uh, just as individuals here? Well, you know, the biggest battle I got and other independent movie uh, filmmakers I got, you know, we do movies at, you know, three to five million dollar range. OK, it sounds like a lot of money. That's catering budget in Pirates of the Caribbean or Avatar. Those are three hundred. Sure. Right. Movies. Sandwiches. And they, they have one hundred million dollars to promote them. We need people to support these movies. These are good movies. I still get stopped. I did a movie called What If? Okay, I did that 12 years ago. Better movie than God's Not Dead. Same writers, better movie. Pure Flix, Dallas Jenkins directed, who's now doing The Chosen. I've done 71 movies. That's in my top three, easily. What If? Most people don't know about it. But every day now, I get stopped by somebody. Hey, I saw this movie, did What If? What a great movie. It is a great movie. We need people to get out there and support these movies. It doesn't have to be a faith-based movie. Like I said, I got I got Miracle in East Texas have it coming out. Great story about redemption. Great story, true story, but from 1930. Um, those kind of movies will appeal to anybody. 
agnostic, atheist, religious, non-religious. Uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. Democrat, Republican, doesn't matter. But how do you get those movies out there? We need positive word of mouth. And you mentioned God's Not Dead. That was an anomaly. That $2 million movie made $140 million. That's unheard of. Mm. So it really came down to strong word of mouth. And that's what we need. We need people to support these things. Not necessarily from my movies as well. There's other uh, producers out there and, and uh, production companies that do family movies. And we need to pr promote and, and s support those movies. Because theater owners don't care what they show. Trust me. They want to sell popcorn and sodas. So if you got a movie that's going to be strong opening weekend, they'll carry it over into the second and third week. So uh, we just need people to support things. Now, of course, you, you talked about all the stuff you have coming up. What's what's coming the soonest yeah. that we can look forward to? Well, for what started, once you go to SorboStudios.com, SorboStudios.com and sign up there. All kinds of information there. But all five of those projects I told you about are coming out in like October, November. They're going to come out one after the other. All have theatrical releases, and um, that's where people can find them. So hopefully people will uh, go and jump on board. They'll, they'll love them. They're really good movies. They're just they're, there's a lot of a lot of laughter in there. There's a lot. There's a good message in there, but it's not like in your face. It's just got a, a mm -hmm. nice little undertone of a positive thing instead of a negative one. Great. Well, we will link that in the description. So look for that. And Kevin Sorbo, thank you so much again for joining us on the Universe Next Door. My pleasure. All the best, man. Take care. Thank you for joining us on The Universe Next Door today. We hope that you enjoyed Kevin Sorbo's perspective on Hollywood and entertainment as much as we did. And we hope you enjoyed enough to share it with a friend. It'll probably help you start a conversation on some of these things. And so it could be a great help to you as well as to us sharing our content and helping other people feel equipped to defend the gospel, to share the truth about Jesus Christ. And so go ahead and share The Universe Next Door with a friend. We're available on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, basically anywhere you listen to podcasts, we are available. So don't forget to check out the survey in the description and look out for our interviews with Max McLean and John Lennox coming up. Well, thank you for listening to The Universe Next Door. We'll see you back here next time.